Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I am pretty particular when it comes to what I think a good movie is. <laughs> I rarely like a mindless movie where you know what's going to happen 10 minutes into it. I like movies that make you think. Things that make you look at something just a little bit differently. One of my favorite movies is The Matrix. It presented the moviegoer with a science fiction scenario that when you were done, made your brain ask so many different questions about who is controlling things and and how we see reality. It has felt like the last couple years has been like being in a Matrix movie. Not only has it felt that way because of the, the control that others have had over the general population, but also the things that we've had to do to live in reality. I'm not spoiling anything because The Matrix is a movie from 1999, but but there is a scene in the movie that shows most people in these little pods. The machines have them in there so they can be controlled and be used. And if you Google banned kids during COVID, <laughs> you will see something that looks a lot like these pods in The Matrix. Seeing pictures of these little green pods still invokes many emotions in me, even today. I, I first saw these these pictures of these pods, you know, months ago, and 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 first it it makes me laugh out loud it, every time I see them. That this this class with these pods looks so ridiculous. I can't even believe it. it if you do end up googling it, make sure that you. Find the picture of the tuba player. <laughs> he, he is so cramped in his little pod. <laughs> it looks like his pod's about to burst at any moment. <laughs> but he's cranking his neck, and it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. Second, it makes me angry. The, the extent that which leadership has gone in response to COVID is just simply ridiculous. These little green pods that look like miniature individual bathroom tents <laughs> are, are so unnecessary. Why would, would kids have to step into little green pods and zip up the, the enclosure to play their instrument? Like, like, like that just boggles the mind. When, when I first saw it, I posted something about it and how awful I thought it was to make kids use them. And I got comments that basically said that they thought that this was an ingenious idea. <laughs> this way kids could still have band, they said. And and I responded with why don't they just cut a hole in their mask for the mouthpiece? It's just as effective. <laughs> and actually, to my surprise, there were bands that actually did that too. <laughs> so, of, of course, we, we've, we have gone from these pods to remote learning. And from remote learning to the hybrid model of learning. And from the hybrid learning 
back to the classroom instruction with masks and distancing and all that. And then from the classroom instruction back to remote learning because kids don't know how to behave with other kids any longer. In an article from opb.org from from uh, November just a couple months ago, uh, it says students at Reynolds Middle School went back to distance learning earlier this month. Reynolds superintendent Dana Diaz said the move will ensure that Reynolds High School or I'm sorry, Reynolds Middle School has the necessary social emotional supports and safety protocols in place to provide a safe learning environment for all students. Now, Reynolds is not alone in facing challenges related to student behavior and delays in social emotional learning after more than a year of online school. Joni Tolon is the Senior Programs Administrator for Student Services for the Multnomah Education Service District. Now, she says she's she's heard about similar problems from teachers and administrators all over the state of Oregon. She said, quote, having been in a distance learning type of school for over a year and a half, all students are struggling between what we used to expect at a certain age uh, versus where they are now. Now, Tolan said a fourth grade teacher is now seeing children that may physically be fourth graders, but that in their social emotional learning, they're still working at a second grade level. Now, Tolan said that these delays are often reflected in student behavior. <laughs> Quote, often children use their behavior as a tool to communicate, she said. Well, duh. <laughs> children are showing through their behavior that they're struggling. And it's not just one district. I think you could safely suggest that it's throughout our whole state. So, so, I, so literally, they, they literally had to call off school here because kids did not know how to behave with each other. That's amazing. This is a shining example of the damage that we have done and are doing to our children in this country. But let me go on. It says, this is all being done in the name of safety from COVID. I, I, would, I would completely agree with that. And, it, and here, there's, there's no reason that healthy kids should be doing these ridiculous things. I mean, right down to the wearing of the masks in school, we are doing damage to our children. And to emphasize that, here's an NPR.org article from the 28th of January, and it says this. It says, Carrie Dingle is a mother of two. She thinks masks should be optional for kids in schools and, and childcare, and that makes her feel pretty lonely in Silver Springs, Minnesota, <laughs> I bet. She says, quote, as soon as you question... Is it a good idea to put a two-year-old in a mask all day? You're suddenly psychotic, anti-vax right-winger. And she says, which really couldn't be further from the truth. Dingle says she's she loves vaccines and thinks everyone should have them. And the fact that 
high-risk people can protect themselves with vaccines and boosters now is fantastic and means that they should they should do that and and we should stop burdening little kids with protecting other people what a novel idea she said her 3-year-old son is a pre- preschool is in preschool and it mandates masking although the children are almost always outdoors she she keeps the the cloth mask he keeps the cloth mask on this is her her child he keeps the cloth mask on but he sucks on them and chews holes through them she says really within 5 minutes of him putting it on it's wet her 6-year-old son a first grader has a tick disorder that she says was uh, is being exacerbated by the mask he makes facial movements that pull it down and he he kept getting in trouble for it until dingle asked a pediatrician for a letter explaining that but she says his teachers still correct him all day long across the country about two-thirds of large school districts currently require students to wear masks and most commonly those masks are cloth and cloth masks as experts say are insufficient to contain the spread of the Omicron variant, <laughs> or any variant, I would ask here. <laughs> where where one goes with those two piece, pieces of information is increasingly a pandemic Rorschach test, is how the article puts it. For some, the answer is obvious. Upgraded masks, stricter rules. On January 21st, the Los Angeles United School District, the nation's second largest school district, updated its mask policy to exclude cloth masks. California has distributed tens of millions of N95 masks and kid-sized KN95 masks to schools. And in districts as desperate as Boston, Denver, and Round Rock, Texas, Student activists have been demanding respirators in the name of safety. For others, resisting school masking along with other pandemic restrictions remains a largely political stance. For example, the newly elected Republican governor of Virginia wasted no time in ending the state's school mask mandate by executive order, setting off a fury of opposition, it says. What's, what's different about this movement is that there is a third camp, they say. Call them the pro-vaccine anti-mask. And they're getting louder. Total cases of pandemic hospitalizations are still high. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the American Academy of Pediatrics continue to recommend universal masking in schools as they have since the start of the pandemic. <laughs> Yet. As the Omicron wave begins to peak in some parts of the U.S., some pediatricians, neurologists, and special education teachers and parents, like Dingle, are talking more about the potential negative impacts of prolonged masking. Even mask proponents who point to the many studies associated with mask mandates with lower COVID-19 rates in schools acknowledge the difficulties of masking children. 
Others are questioning the fairness of continuing to require mass of children indefinitely, especially when there are less often required in many of the places adults gather, such as restaurants or bars. Now, good masks are hard to find. Jeremy Howard, a data scientist, is the lead author of a widely cited review of evidence supporting the masking against the coronavirus. He thinks schools should absolutely continue to mandate masks. <laughs> of course he does. Citing the still emergent science of long COVID. Oh, okay. So now we're going to go to long COVID now. All right. His issue is that good masks are rare. It's very hard, he says, to even find pediatric KN95s or pediatric KF94s. And there's no such thing as a pediatric N95. That's because standards for N95 masks were created for occupational and workplace safety. According to the Food and Drug Administration, N95 respirators are not designed for children. It says it right there. A proper fit cannot be achieved on children. Howard's read of the evidence is that cloth masks, uh, that cloth and even surgical masks are much less useful against Omicron again, or any variant for that matter. I mean, are we saying that Omicron is a smaller virus? I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. Yet while there are some recommended high quality child size respirators on the market, many, he adds, are of low quality than the adult versions. <laughs> how are they different? They work much less well most of the time, he says. So yeah, it's a huge issue. Kids are being left unprotected, but adults are. But then why is the Omicron variant all over the place? Then if we have all these mask mandates and it's still happening. Danny Benjamin is a pediatrician with Duke University and the ABC Science Collaborative, which has long advised school districts that masking can be highly effective against COVID spread. If you're a if you're in a school district that masks, the risk of COVID is much less at school than it is outside of school because the school is one of the few places where people actually enforce mitigation measures. So in other words, teachers are all over the kids all the time, so they're more likely not to get COVID at school, right? But in his view, while respirators offer superior protection, mandating them for children is impractical. Some kids find them uncomfortable. Some kids find them uncomfortable. They may not fit small faces well, and they need to be replaced often. <laughs> well, I would even say in adults, if you have a beard, <laughs> there's no reason for you to wear a mask. It's not fitting properly. For the nation's 55 million school children, Benjamin says, now we're talking about 100 million masks that you're mandating each week. And that's kind of the best case scenario where you reuse most of them. No child ever loses their mask and no child ever soils their mask, which I don't know what planet that is. <laughs> that's, his, that's his comment. Now, it, it's hard for children to wear masks properly. We know that. Teachers and parents often report 
that proper mask wearing is difficult and requires constant reinforcement by teachers. That's especially true for young children and those with special needs. Now, Bernadette No, um, who runs an in-home daycare in, in West Haven, Connecticut, spends time almost every day sitting down with children and telling them why masks are important. Can you imagine? You're running a daycare and you have to spend the majority of your time sitting down with children, telling them why they need to wear a mask. This is the the number one thing that you have to do. She calls it the biggest challenge. What do we do with all the kids that are unable to wear the mask and stay with the mask is her question. Now, Brittany Gonzalez tells special education, um, or he, she, she teaches special education in Florida to uh, second and third graders in Lee County. Her students aren't required to wear masks. Those who do take it off all day, she said. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a foreign piece of cloth on their face. And not all of them have the level of understanding as to why we're doing it and what it means and how to wear it. <laughs> you are wearing it to show how woke you are. Nothing more. So, yeah, they understand. They understand a whole lot better than you, obviously. Now, masks can interfere with young children's brain developments. Numerous scientific papers have established that it can be harder to hear and understand speech and identify facial expressions and emotions when people are wearing a mask. Well, duh. <laughs> Who paid for that study? <laughs> oh, man. Some of these studies also suggested workarounds, which many practitioners are using. These are critical development uh, tasks, particularly for children in the first three years of life. The United States is an outlier in recommending masks from the age of two years old. The World Health Organization does not recommend masks for children under five, while the European equivalent of the CDC doesn't recommend them for children under 12. Manfred Spritzer is a, a psychiatrist uh, and, and a cognitive neoscientist in Germany, and he published a scientific review of evidence of how masking could impact children's development. Now, Spitzer says the negatives of masking are particularly clear for very young children. He believes that young children's caregivers should be unmasked as well. Quote, kids need to train up their face recognition, he says, and they need to see full faces to learn to identify emotions as well as to learn language. Quote, babies were never designed just to see the upper half of the face and to infer the lower half. Even adults have a hard time doing this. Masks can make it hard to hear and understand speech. We know that. Carrie Dingle, the mother in, in Silver Springs, says her nearly four-year-old son has a speech delay that had been resolving with treatment before the pandemic, but has gotten worse again. He doesn't make back of the throat sounds, she says. So cookie is tutti. <laughs> Diane Paul is with the American Speech Language Hearing Association, the National Professional Association representing speech therapists. 
she says referrals to children to speech therapy have increased since the pandemic began. But Paul adds, there, there are no studies to prove or disprove that this is due to mask, ra- masking rather than, as she believes, the lingering effects of remote learning and other factors of the pandemic. Well, I'm sure all of it comes into play, but definitely masks, right? Donna Smiley is an audiologist, a hearing impairment specialist, also with the ASHA. Quote, we all use visual input to help understand the message, she says. Watching a speaker's lips and mouth, which are covered by masks, putting by putting on a mask, you're also making the teacher's voice less loud. CDC guidance allows for the use of masks with clear plastic when when interacting with people with hearing impairments, young children, those who are deaf or are hard of hearing, and those receiving speech therapy, including students learning to read or those learning a new language. Smiley says she's found those pose problems, really. The material that it is made out of fogged up pretty easily <laughs> oh man and, and she says that at least one study found that the plastic blocks even more sound than gla- than, than cloth does <laughs> like spitzer smiley and paul believe masking should continue as long as necessary for public health of course they do but teachers should be aware of the limitations They say masking challenges are real, but manageable with adjustments that improve communication for everyone. (laughs) And I say to that, masking is not necessary. Masks can prohibit social interaction. Uh, For school-aged children, Spitzer, that's the the, the psychiatrist, is most concerned that masking interferes with nonverbal communication and emotional bonding. Gonzalez says her students who are on the autism spectrum withdraw behind the masks. Quote, they have almost started adopting the masks as their face. It's part of their identity. It's their security blanket. I almost have to be like, hey, you are allowed to take off the mask right now. Like she says, if they're going to go run a lap at PE or going to in, into lunch to, to sit down and, and have their lunch. They want to eat a bite, put it back on, eat a bite and put it back on, she says. Mothers of typically uh, developing children like uh, Stephanie in Los Angeles are worried about their kids, their kids too. She says, quote, they can never see their friends smile. They can never see their friends frown. They're not developing empathy. It's taken six months for my fifth grader to make friends because it's so hard to tell what people are doing. For Spitzer, these potential problems with masking can be overcome for older children, for example, by saying, that's funny to make up for the hiding of the smile. This can, this can all be compensated to some extent. (laughs) Okay. okay, I have to stop here. I know maybe we could have 
the kids carry emoji cards. That 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 is how we could do this. If kids carry emoji cards, they could just hold up the laughy face emoji card when they think something's funny. That's how we could get around this. Okay, all right. But the younger children, he doesn't support masks. Germany doesn't require masks for children under age six. Quote, when speech no longer happens, when communication is interfered with, I think if that happens for a week, that's okay, he explains. But if that happens for half a year, that's that's eternally when it comes to brain development at a very young age. He points out that COVID-19 is usually mild for young children. It's but but it, it's a critical period for development. So balancing children's needs and the pandemic safety is key. A a post-masking consensus may be closer than it appears, according to this article. In November, before the Omicron variant had emerged in much of the U.S., Randy Weingarten, the, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, wrote a letter to the U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cordona and the CD director, uh, Rochelle Walensky, asking for a uh, masking off-ramp. She said classroom teachers were reporting that, quote, that's the constant use of masks impedes the learning process, and that parents have expressed dismay about their child's overall well-being after wearing a mask continually for well over a year and a half, unquote. ATF spokes person Andrew Crook said that the National Teachers Union still supports a path away from school mask mandates. That's kind of a shock. Quote, you can't do it right now because of Omicron. But yes, with a metric of guidance, you can have an off-ramp. <laughs> so I say, why can't you do it right now because of Omicron? What's the difference? What's it actually doing? Danny Benjamin at the ABC Scientific Collaborative also believes that the mask mandates can be safely relaxed post-surge, assuming high ver- uh, vaccination rates, meaning 100% of adults and at least 70% of students. Any family that wants to protect their child should simply vaccinate their child, he says. And at, the, at that point, the risk of COVID is substantially less than the risk of the flu. Now, if vaccination of 100% of adults and 70% of children is the point at which mask mandates can be lifted, then the mandates are a permanent thing. That's just simply not going to happen. If that's the standard, then we, we can just give up. On January 25th, a group of physicians and scientists announced a national campaign to, quote, restore normalcy in children's lives by putting them first in line for the lifting of restrictions, including mass mandates, once the Omicron wave has subsided. Dr. Gene Noble, who directs COVID-19 response for the UCSF Emergency Department at the University of California, San Francisco, is part of the coalition. Quote, kids don't need to be masks. Full stop. They have uh, minuscule risk of serious illness or death from COVID, she says. 
She and colleagues are suggesting that especially vulnerable children continue to mask while other vaccinated children can safely go without. Now, here's 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 what I, I want to sum this up with. Our children don't wear masks, never have. We we just don't go to places that our kids have to wear a mask. There have been a few times where places have tried their hardest to get our kids to wear one, but we don't allow it. There are many reasons for this, from the fact that masks just don't work, to even if they did get COVID, no one would probably even know because they're almost always asymptomatic. But the point is, we are doing a lot of a lot of damage. We're, in fact, we're doing a lot more damage to children of this country by requiring them to wear masks than anything we're saving them from when it comes to COVID. Let's quit with the charade. Let's let's quit with the with all these mask mandates for kids and adults and start trying to repair the damage that's already been done to this point. It will certainly be interesting, <laughs> at least to me, to watch how the decisions that were made in this time will affect our society in the future. And now you may agree with me, you may disagree, would definitely love to hear from you on this one. And of course, you can do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.